This story comes from Norway and is one of their great classic tales. It's called The Princess on the Glass Mountain. Now, there was once a farmer and his wife who had three sons, and the two eldest sons worked on the farm, but the third one, the youngest, did nothing but lie by the side of the fire, raking through the ashes, and so they called him the Ash Lad. And his two elder brothers treated him very badly, called him nasty names, and never let them join in with anything that they were doing. Now this farmer had a beautiful meadow of grass that grew up in the mountains, and that is where they would harvest and cut their hay for the year. So they would cut down this meadow, dry the grass, and then they would cart the hay into a barn that they had built up there. But one year, when they went up at midsummer, they discovered that all the grass had been eaten. It was cropped down to the root. Not a thing left. And the following year, exactly the same thing happened. And this left them in a very perilous position, because they didn't have enough food for their animals over the winter. And the father was complaining bitterly about... Who could have been doing such a thing of, of grazing away, stealing their, their grass? And the next year, at Midsummer's Eve, the eldest brother said, Well, I will go and stay in the barn, and I will find out what's going on, and put a stop to it. So off he set, and he went into the barn, and the grass was all blowing, it was a lovely height, it was all swaying in the breeze, looked beautiful. And he went into the barn, and he went to sleep. Now he was woken up that night with the most terrible roaring sound, and the earth shook like there was an earthquake. And he was so frightened, he sprang out of the barn, and he ran home as fast as he could. And the next day, when his father went up to the meadow, there was not one blade of grass left uneaten. Hmm, fat lot of good you did, he said. Well, the next year came. Again, there was a lovely crop of grass in the meadow. And the second brother went up at Midsummer's Eve. And he stayed in the barn too. And that night he was woken up with a huge, horrible roaring sound, and the earth shook like there was an earthquake, and he was so afraid that he ran even faster than his elder brother had all the way home. And the next day when the farmer went up, there was not a blade of grass left in the meadow. Well, on the third year at Midsummer's Eve, it was the ash lad's turn to go. The other two elder brothers wouldn't set foot near the place again. They were too afraid. But the ash lad said he didn't mind going. And they laughed at him and said, And what good are you going to be doing, you vile, filthy, horrible, loathsome creature? You lying there raking among the ashes. What good's that going to be, eh? How are you going to stop anything? If we couldn't do anything, then <laughs> fat chance you'll have. Well, he says, I can try. So he went up, and there the meadow and the grass was swaying beautifully in the breeze, and he went in into the barn, and he curled up, and he went to sleep. And that night, 
There was a terrible roaring sound that woke him up, and the earth shook like there was an earthquake. And he said to himself, Eh, it's not that bad. And he just stayed where he was. Now all the noise and the shaking stopped. But it started again a second time, and this time the noise was even louder and more terrifying, and the ground shook even more violently than it had done before. But he paid no attention, and it stopped. But then it started a third time, and this time it was really bad. Really bad, horrible noise, and the earth shook. But the ash lad, he stayed there and didn't move. And then the noise stopped. And then he heard a different sound. It was a sound of chewing. So he went outside, and there was a magnificent horse. And it was all dressed up in copper. It had a copper bridle, it had copper reins, it had a copper saddle, and fastened to the saddle there was a suit of armour for a knight that was all made of copper, and it was all shiny and bright. Well, <clears throat> so it's you that's been stealing our grass, said the ash lad with a smile. But he knew that this was no ordinary horse. This had magic about it. And you can't just grab magic. But he knew what to do, because he wasn't as stupid as his brothers thought he was. And he had a fire steel in his pocket. Now a fire steel was used with a piece of flint to knock sparks from it to light a fire. And he knew that steel was a powerful weapon against magic. And so he threw the fire steel over the horse's mane, and the horse stood there just as calm and docile and friendly as if it was a little caddy lamb. And he went over to it, and he stroked it, and he said, You're a fine-looking beast, and I know what to do with you. So he got on its back, and he rode it away to another little secret meadow that he knew up in the mountains that had plenty of grass too, and he left it there hidden. And then the next morning he went home. Now his brother said, So how did you get on last night? <laughs> and he said, Fine. <clears throat> and they said, Well, I don't believe that. Well, you can see for yourself. And so they all went up, the brothers and the father, they all went up to the meadow, and there was the field of grass swaying in the breeze, just as good as ever. They were amazed. Well, the older brothers, they weren't happy, because they hated their younger brother. They hated the ash lad, and they were jealous. So he didn't get any praise from them. He just got called nasty names again. Now a year passed, and it was Midsummer's Eve again, and once more there was time to come to spend the night in the barn, and the two older brothers wouldn't go. They were still afraid. They remembered the terrible noise and the shaking of the earth that year that they did it, and they were not prepared to go back and face that again. So the ash lad happily went up the hill, and he went into the mountains, and he went to the meadow, the grass was swaying in the breeze, 
and he went into the barn, and he cuddled up, and he fell asleep. Well, he got woken up in the middle of the night with the most terrible noise, and the earth shook, and this was even more violent than it had been the year before. Well, if that's the best they can do, he says, I can manage it. <clears throat> so he cuddled up, and he went back to sleep again. And then he was woken up with a second noise, even louder than the first, and the earth shook so much, but he stayed there, and it stopped. And then a third time it started. The noise was even more deafening and terrifying than it was before, and the ground shook violently. But he stayed where he was, and it stopped. And then he heard the sound of chewing. So he went outside, and there was a magnificent horse. Now the first horse had been beautiful and big and impressive, but this one was even bigger and even more beautiful. And this one had a bridle and harness and saddle all made of silver. And attached to the saddle there was a suit of armor for a knight that was all made of silver, gleaming in the sun. Well, away he went, <coughs> took the fire steel out of his pocket, knew what to do, threw it over the horse's mane, and the horse stood perfectly still. Well, he got on its back, and he rode it up to that secret valley where the other horse was, and he left it there, and he went home. And his brother said, So how did he get on? I suppose he ran away with fright. No, it's fine. Well, we don't believe you. Go and have a look. So off they set, the two elder sons and the father, <clears throat> and they walked up into the mountain, and there in their valley was the lovely meadow of beautiful grass, and it was all swaying in the breeze, and it was just as good as ever. Now a third year came, and again the two elder brothers at Midsummer Eve didn't want to go up into that meadow, but Ashlad said he would go, and he went up there, and he went to the barn, and he cuddled up and went to sleep. Well, the noise that night, if it had been worse the year before, it was even worse that year. The noise was terrifying and deafening, and the earth shook, but the Ashlad paid no attention, and it stopped. And then it started a second time, and the noise was even louder and more terrible, and the ground shook even more, but he paid no attention, and it stopped. And then, a third time, it started, and this time it was almost deafening, the sound, and absolutely terrifying. And the ground shook so much that he thought that the barn he was in was going to fall down. The walls were shaking, the roof was creaking, dust was falling down from the rafters. But he stayed where he was, and the noise stopped. And then he heard the sound of chewing again. And he went out, and there was the most beautiful, magnificent horse that he had ever seen in his life. This one was even bigger and finer looking than the other two. And this time its bridle and reins and saddle was all made of shining gold, and there was a suit of gold armor fastened to the saddle. 
Now the ash lad took the fire steel out of his pocket and he threw it over the horse's mane and the horse stood perfectly still where it was. And he went over to it, petted it, climbed on its back and he rode it away to a secret valley with the other two horses. And then he returned home. Well, again, he was met with names and catcalls from his elder brothers. Well, I suppose you ran away, didn't you? No, everything's fine. Don't believe you. Well, go and have a look. So off they set, the elder brothers and the father, and they went up, and the meadow was perfect. It was just beautiful, full of grass, swaying in the breeze. And so the old man was happy. Well, in the land where Ashlad lived, there was a king and a queen, and they had one child, a daughter, a princess, and she was beautiful, beyond measure she was beautiful. And there was plenty of suitors who wanted to marry her princes and knights and lords, noblemen of all kinds. But the king knew that one day she would inherit the kingdom, so the man she married had to be worthy of her. And so what he did was he placed his daughter on top of a glass mountain. There was a mountain made of glass near to the castle. The sides were steep and sheer and sparkled in the sun because they were made of smooth, polished glass. It was like ice, only more slippery. And on top of it was the princess, sitting on a throne, and in her lap she had three golden apples. Now the king sent out a proclamation that anyone who could ride a horse up the glass mountain and take the three apples from the princess's lap should get her as his bride, and also half the kingdom. Well, this proclamation went far and wide, not just in the kingdom where the king ruled, but in other kingdoms as well. And many princes arrived at the castle, along with many lords, noblemen, and knights, all wanting to try to be the one who won the princess. Well, they gathered on a certain day, that the king said that they should make their trial. And this was well known in the kingdom. And the ash lad's brothers decided that they would go and watch and see which one of the brave knights were able to ride up the glass mountain and take the three golden apples from the princess's lap. I would like to go too, said ash lad. You, you're not fit to be seen in company like that. There will be princes and knights and noblemen there, and they won't want to see the likes of you, you dirty, vile, horrible-looking creature. Stay in your ash pit. Well, he says, I don't mind staying at home, so I don't. So the two brothers left. Well, they went to the place where the glass mountain was, and they watched all the knights trying desperately to scale the side of this mountain, and the walls of the mountain were so steep they were more like the walls of a house, 
and when they rode their horses at it as fast as they could, the horses' hoofs just slid down the side of that mountain, and they couldn't get up even more than a couple of feet. So they tried again. They'd run their horses back at the mountain, and again the horses' feet slipped. And in the end the horses were tired and worn out and not fit to try again. Now, this happened to all the people there, all the princes, the noblemen, the knights, the lords, everyone. None of them could make it at all up the side of the mountain. And the old king was just thinking that maybe he should call another contest the following day, when suddenly a knight rode up, and he was riding on a magnificent horse, and the bridle and the harness and the saddle was all made of beautiful shining copper, and the knight himself was dressed in a suit of armor made of copper, and it shone in the sun so brightly, and you could see him a long way away, and he rode up to the mountain, and he started to ride up the side of the mountain like it was nothing. And the princess saw him coming, and she thought he looked so magnificent, and she thought, Oh, I hope he gets to the top. I hope he's the one that I can marry. Well, the knight rode halfway, eh, no, he didn't. He rode a third of the way up the mountain, and then he turned his horse. He could have rode right up to the top but he turned his horse around and started to ride back down. Well, the princess threw one of her golden apples to the knight, and he caught it and carried it away. But then he rode off and disappeared. Now that evening the king called all the people together, all the princes and the nobles and the lords and the, and the knights, and he got them all to step forward and present him with the golden apple that his daughter had tossed to the knight. But none of them had it. <laughs> now, he decided that, okay, the following day we will do the same thing. And the Ashlad's brothers, well, they had gone home that night, and they were full of stories about this amazing knight who was wearing copper armor. And Ashlad said, I would have found it amusing to see that night, and they laughed at him and said, Stay in your ash hole, you vile, filthy creature. Well, the next day the brothers decided that they were going to go back to the castle and see them ride up the glass mountain again, or try at least. And Ashlad said, I'd like to go and see that too. And they said, No, you're too vile and dirty to be in the likes of decent people like that. Stay where you are. And he said, Well, I don't mind being on my own, so I don't. So he stayed where he was. The two brothers went. Well, again, all the riders tried desperately to ride up the mountain, but they couldn't. They slipped and slid and fell, and there was nothing they could do until the horses were tired. And the king was starting to think that he should call it a day and declare that they would try again tomorrow, when suddenly something caught his eye, something glinting in the sun, and there a long way off they could see something shining, and it was riding towards them at great speed, and when it got nearer they could see a magnificent horse, far and nicer and far bigger and finer than the one the previous day that the copper knight had been riding. But this one, 
had a bridle and reins and saddle all made of shining silver, and the knight himself was clad in a suit of silver armour. And he rode up that mountain like it was nothing, and he got two-thirds of the way up, and the princess saw him coming, and she thought, Oh, I hope he is the one, I hope that this is the man that I can marry. Well, he got two-thirds of the way up the mountain, and then he turned his horse and started heading down. The princess threw another one of the golden apples to him, and he caught it, but then rode away out of sight. Well, that evening, the king gathered all the men together, all the riders, and they all had to step forward and present him with the golden apple, and none of them had the apple. So it was declared they would do the same thing the next day. And again, the Ash Lad's brothers said they were going to see the attempts made on the glass mountain, and he said, I would like to go with you too, and they went, No, you're not coming with us, filthy creature like you can't be seen in good company. You stay here, and he said, Well, I don't mind being on my own. So I don't, I don't mind. So off they went. Well, this time, again, none of the riders could make anything of trying to scale the glass mountain. If anything, they were making a worse job of it than ever, because the horses were still a bit tired. Now the king was starting to think about just calling it a day. But he thought, well, maybe this knight in the silver armor might come back. I'll wait for a while. And he waited. And he waited a bit longer than he was intending, really. But he wait he did. And then they could see something glint in the distance. Something magnificent. Something splendid. And... When it got nearer, they saw that it was the most beautiful, magnificent, finest horse they had ever seen in their lives, and its bridle and harness and saddle was all made of shining gold, and the suit of armor that the knight wore was all made from gold too, and the horse ran up to the mountain and straight up the side of it. And this time it ran up all the way right to the top where the princess saw this knight again. And she thought, oh, I hope this is the knight I get to marry. I hope this is the one. He feels like he's so right. I want this man. Well, he rode right up to her. And then very gallantly he nodded his head to her, bowed. And then he took the golden apple from her lap and he rode down the other side of the mountain and disappeared into the distance. Well, it was a bit late by this time, so the old king decided not to call the knights to him that night to see who had the golden apple. But back home, the Ash Lad's brothers were talking about all the attempts made that day and all the failures, and then they started to talk about this magnificent knight. Now, they had spoken about the ones before, the copper knight and the silver knight, but the gold knight, <gasps> he was something amazing. What a man, and what a rider, what skill, the way he rode up that mountain like it was nothing. Oh, I would have liked to see that, he said the Ash Lad. I would have found that amusing to see him. Tuh! The likes of you, seeing a magnificent knight in gold armor, he said. I don't think so. 
Well, the next day the, the king called all the people to him again, all the riders, and they all had to step forward one at a time, princes first, and then give him, present him with the apple, but none of them had it. And so the king decided he would send out a proclamation that every man in the land had to go to the palace and present himself to the king. And whichever man had the golden apples, then he would be wed to the princess and get half the kingdom. <laughs> now the order was binding every man in the kingdom. Didn't matter how old, how young, they all had to go and present themselves to the king. And if they had the golden apple, give it to him. But of course, none of them did. And it ended up that everyone in the kingdom had turned up. And the last ones to go was the ash lad's two brothers. They had left him at home. He had wanted to go too, but they said, Why should a vile, filthy creature like you come with us? Stay where you are. So they set off alone. And the two of them went up to the castle. And they went before the king, and of course they were bowing and very meek and humble, and the king said, And do you have the golden apple that my daughter gave? No, they said, no, we, we don't. But that's everybody in the kingdom, he said. Is there anyone else left at your home? Um, well... We do have a brother, they said, but it's not him. He's never left his fireside. He just lies raking in the ashes. Well, I want him to come here, he said. I command him to come and present himself to me. So the Ashlad's brothers went home, and they said to the Ashlad, The king wants you to go up to the castle tomorrow. Oh, does he indeed? Yes. <laughs> Fat chance, you with a golden apple? I <laughs> don't think so. But that's the king's orders, so you have to go. Oh, well, it'll be fun to see the king, said the ash lad. Well, the next day he set off for the castle, and he was wearing his usual ragged clothes. He had a, a cloak on that was all torn and tattered, and it was all patched, and it was all covered in ashes and soot. And he was a terrible-looking sight in that horrible old cloak. Now, he went up before the king, and the king looked at him, and he didn't feel too hopeful about this, but he said, Do you have the golden apple that my daughter gave? And he said, Yes, your majesty, I do. And from out of a pocket he took the three golden apples and handed them to the king, who gasped in amazement. And then Ashlad cast off his tattered, sooty, ashy cloak, and underneath it he was wearing the gold armor. And the king took him in his arms, and the princess, who was sitting on the throne next to him, squealed with delight because this was the man she wanted. And so the two of them were married. And the ash lad became the king after the old king died. But it was a magnificent wedding. And they parted, and they ate, they feasted, and they danced. And you know something? That wedding went on for so long 
that I think it's still going on to this day.